You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. So I'm really excited to be here with Yvette Contois, artist, designer, team builder, and founder of The Art Factory. Yvette has been expanding creative horizons for teams, students, and individuals since 2009. Yvette transforms art making into a shared experience that takes its participants on a mindfulness journey. Her work with clients such as Adobe Systems, Safeway, and Cabrillo College brings the teams closer together through the engaging process of making. As a former art director who worked with SATCOM engineers for the U.S. Department of Defense, Yvette has a proven ability to connect with groups of all sizes and across all industries. As the Art Factory founder, Yvette has become a leading consultant in helping individuals create thriving community art spaces all across the U.S. and preparing creative environments in both schools and corporations. Creative spaces breed innovation. Creative spaces can bring solace and healing. Preparing these spaces, both indoor and out, are Yvette's specialty. In 2020, her work was featured on Pulitzer-nominated author Sid Ballman Jr.'s novel, Murmuration and she has been tasked to create the cover for Algorithms, the final book in the Seventh Flag series. Yvette holds a degree in visual communication and graphic design from the Art Institute of Philadelphia and the BFA and teaching credential from Rosemont College in Pennsylvania. Yvette, thank you so much for taking time to be here with us and share your lessons, your insights, and your awesome stories along your journey to reinvention. Thanks so much. Super happy to be here. Let's kick things off with just how we connected and how we met because there's a really awesome story there. And I mean, it's crazy how these platforms just bring us together where we obviously didn't know each other at all. And all of a sudden LinkedIn, one like on a post turns into a conversation, which turns into a couple of calls. And well, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the best part of social media, I think, um, forming connections like this, just out of the blue, you know? What was it about that post? What, what, what was that post? I'm trying to remember. It was the, um, gosh, I, I wrote it down here, but it was the, ah, you don't, you don't have to know what to do in order to get started. You have to start in order to figure out what you have to do, which is something that I've just learned along the way that it's better to just get started because that's where you, you know, figure it out. What, what did that mean to you? Like, why did you click on that one? Well, I saw it and it really spoke to me because as an artist, sometimes you have a blank page, blank canvas, or your student does, and there's this real intimidation about starting. And if you stay stuck there, you don't move forward. I say this a lot to my students when they have that sort of anxiety about, well, is it time to start? Or how do I start? Or what should I do first? And I just always say, ah, the art of start. And I think that was my comment to your post because it just really landed on me. It's something that I know very well And you really do. You just have to start with the first mark or the first gesture or starting where you are with what you have, whether it be art or any steps in life, even reinvention. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you talk about it in the context of teaching. 
and working with your students. And this is something that you and I have connected about in a, just an incredible way because we're both teachers. I used to teach math once upon a time. And I was the same with my students. They didn't know what to do to get started on a problem. And they would say, Mr. Osorio, I don't know how to do this problem. I didn't care. I mean, like, let's figure it out together. And if you start, you'll get it going. And so I'd always just say, what do you think you could do first? And that just creates a step, whatever that step is. I'm not there to judge it. I don't care if it's right or wrong, slow or fast. Let's just get started. And usually from there, students like figure their way out through that. And for me, it's been empowering. It looks like it's done the same for you and your students. Absolutely. Awesome. So let's go right into reinvention because that, of course, is what brings us together here. What does that mean to you? What does the word reinvention mean to you, the concept, the idea? Yeah. You know, I think with personal reinvention, you just know when it's time. It's either just a really strong feeling that you're just not in alignment with where you should be and how to be living your best life, or reinvention is sort of thrust upon you because you find yourself in a situation, a circumstance that is completely unacceptable, and you say, this is not how I want to move forward. And so however it is you find yourself in this position that it's time for reinvention, it comes oftentimes, I found, from the hardest times in your life. You can be in a super low low, but if you deliberately choose to move forward with all the best intention, with all the best goals and plans, and what really, really speaks to your heart and what you feel is right, truly right for you, then that is the reinvention. You, you deliberately act on everything that will keep you going in that direction. So yeah, it's very personal, whether it's just career-based or family-based or anything along your path. These moments of reinvention are oftentimes come from the hardest times, yet they bring the best results. There are a couple of things here that I want to grab onto that you shared. One is that sometimes reinvention is a choice we make and we go into it with all the intentions and a little bit more planning and all that. But there are also times where, to use exactly your words, it's thrust upon us. It's not something we plan for, but yet here we are. And there is an opportunity. There is an opportunity to address that challenge, that rock bottom, that moment where we feel like we've hit our lowest low and we can come back through a reinvention. And I think that's really important that it's not always something we choose, but it is always an opportunity that we have in order to begin living a more aligned life. The other part that I think you mentioned that also connects incredibly well with a lot of what I've experienced is that it's not just about your career reinvention. It could be your personal life as well. And reinvention is not just something that has to do with careers. I think often we think that quitting a job, starting a new career, that's exciting. And yeah, I get it. Work takes up such a great share of our day and our lives that naturally that feels like where reinvention is going to be bigger. As you suggested or alluded to, you know, there's also personal reinvention. There could be reinvention in our family and all these different areas. And so I appreciate that because I think the way you just laid it out, you kind of cover the opportunity on two different dimensions. Yeah, I mean, I think they all sort of hold hands in a way. If you reinvent your home life to have a better flow, to be more organized, or to just aesthetically suit you for where you are at this stage, that ties in with the way you feel about yourself and the way you take care of yourself. And all these things, they really are interwoven into our lives. And so when you go through a big shakeup, 
and you reinvent yourself, your personal self, you tend to then find the best way to do your work. Or maybe you change your line of work, whatever it is. But all these facets of our lives seem to be connected in a way that one reinvention often leads to another. I would say my biggest personal reinvention was very multifaceted. And that was just happenstance and sort of how you choose to direct your energy, which again goes back to deliberately moving forward. Like everything you choose moving forward, when it's time for a change, you're in the driver's seat. You get to decide how great it's going to be. Now, sure, there's always external circumstances. I'm not saying there aren't, but you know that they're going to come. The way you handle them, you just keep moving forward. And I think watching what you say to yourself along the way, that makes all the difference in reaching that goal or not. Yeah, you know, everything you're saying, there's so many great nuggets of wisdom in there, but there are a couple of things that really stood out. One was this idea that one reinvention can lead to another. And, you know, this is something that's really important to me. It's this idea of the journey to reinvention and how it's more about the journey than the destination. To your point, one leads to the next, which then is followed by another and another. I think that's a really important idea that I think is going to come up throughout some of our conversation. But the other part, and let's kind of just dig in a little bit on this, is that we can make it great. This idea that we can make these moments great. And yes, there will be tough moments, as you said, but that's always the case, that there will always be tough moments and challenges, you know, as I think we can all agree, there's no version of life where everything is perfect. And so this idea that we can make it great is not in spite of that things could go poorly. No, it's along with that. That's just the way it is. Right. And to back up for a minute to your point about deciding to make it great, always knowing that it doesn't just get great and stay great. You know, a really impactful teacher in my life once said that to me. And I thought, well, you know, I was like having a really great run, a great moment in time. And for him to say that at that time felt like a bit of a buzzkill, but it was so important because the next time things started to unravel, I thought, this is what he meant. Here it is, not feeling so great right now. How do I get through this and move forward? You don't collapse in a heap because it's not great anymore. If something is threatening the greatness or minimizing the greatness, you say, what can I do in this situation? And then you just keep that vibration as high as you can keep it because these external circumstances, they're so good at kind of clinging onto us and pulling us back or pulling us down. And that's, again, the intention of being deliberate in knowing why you want to change and knowing what you want to change, and then just staying in alignment with everything it takes to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would argue that those moments, those challenges, when we get knocked down, that's, I think, what makes the journey more exciting and more worthwhile. Like, for me, it's almost sweeter that I had an opportunity to overcome something because I also see for myself that, wow, I figured that out working with others, collaborating, getting ideas from others, maybe working with a coach and all of these different people that are out there and resources that are out there. I figured it out. Wow, this is empowering. I'm almost glad. And this is how I feel often like when I run into these obstacles along my journey. I now know because of what I've learned. All right, cool. This is an opportunity to, you know, to figure out what can I learn that's new here? How am I going to overcome this? And it's still stressful. And, you know, I still feel like, oh, gosh, like I'm a little worried or nervous about something. But I've almost learned to welcome 
a little bit of that feeling because I go, I got an opportunity here. So well, let's see what comes of this, you know, and I'm going to go into it with that positive mindset. Absolutely. That's where the success, it really lies in that. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately, you have to act instantaneously to get through a situation. And sometimes we have the good fortune to be able to sit with something a little bit and really kind of ground yourself and get clear, okay, what is the intention? What's the best possible outcome here? And to work accordingly. But again, you never know. If it's thrust upon you, then you're kind of reacting in your best possible way. And sometimes we do better than others. But to be kind to ourselves when we're not, you can look back on all the things you wish you could do over, but you take what you've learned from that and you hopefully apply it moving forward and just continue to do better, which always feels better. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in, you know, when we've exchanged some emails, I usually end an email with make your day great. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know if you've noticed that. Oh, yeah. And it's something that I think to myself, it's not just something I share with others. I like sharing it with others, but I think to myself throughout a day, because there's, you know, to your point, like taking this concept of making it great down to the level of a day, just one day, the unit of one day. I can't control everything that's going to happen that day. I can't control everything that's going to be thrown at me that day. The decisions that won't go my way or, you know, the problems that are going to appear because something that happened a long, long time ago, which just unfolded in a negative way for me today. However, the question is, what can I do to make today great? That's not it. That part I didn't even do today. It came to me and that's it is what it is. So sometimes it's as simple as maybe today I can have a really nice dinner with my parents, like go visit them and connect with them. That would make today great. Or maybe, you know, taking time to go out for a walk in the middle of the day and call a dear friend. That would make today great. Or knocking out something that's really important to me, something that has mattered for a very long time, but maybe I didn't act on. That could really make up because it's something that I've been letting sit for too long. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that today. So even though all this other stuff happened, I get to still declare a win for the day. I get to make today great. And so I can appreciate what you're saying about, you know, there are just things we can't control along the way, but there are things we can. Yeah. I love that positive habit building that you do there when you're insistent upon make it a great day. I remember I say that to my kids when they were little, especially and teenagers too, you know, you'd send them off on their day. And maybe there was nothing exciting on the horizon. It was just a a regular day. Maybe it's raining. There's no practice. There's nothing to look forward to after school. But just go make it the best Wednesday ever. I love that. I love that. You know, my kids are always like, oh my gosh, what is she talking about? But what does it mean to make it a great day? And it means to hold the door for somebody who's got too much stuff in their arms. It means, you know, smiling at somebody who you don't know real well. Or it can just be the little things that really give you that uplifting feeling, paying a compliment to someone, right? All these things that just have such a ripple effect throughout the day. So again, watch what you say to yourself and watch how you conduct yourself. You know, we can learn so much from each other doing that. I love how simple it can be in terms of, you know, it could just be holding the door for someone or helping someone with their bags. You know, if you see them struggling a little bit, it doesn't have to be this massive win for the business, for your personal life, for your family life, or whatever. It could literally just be helping a stranger out who looks like they're having a rough day today, whatever it could be. And then just doing that little thing, you have an opportunity, which also makes maybe their day a little bit better too. So you're kind of sharing that with others. 
So true. And that happened the other day. It was just, it was so cute and totally worth sharing. I was at our local coffee shop and I was going through my order and the guys, you know, respectfully a distance behind me, but it had one of those digital pads where you had to sign. And so I did my signature with my finger and I was like, went to walk away and he goes, what a fabulous signature. This, you know, wow, that totally elevated my entire experience of going to the shop, getting something that I wanted. And, and it really made my day. And so, you know, I thanked him. And then when I left, we had just a very pleasant smile and exchange goodbye. And if he didn't choose to do that, you know, my experience would have been good. But just that little bit of kindness, that thoughtfulness, that I see you, I appreciate that about you, that really made my morning great. I love it. I love it. it and, and, and that just took like, what, three, four seconds to share and boom, made such an impact. And here you are still thinking about it. I am. Yeah, it was really sweet. And I thought that is something really meaningful because I love handwriting, because I love a good signature. Like that's something that I just happen to love. So somebody commenting on that made me feel really seen in that moment when I certainly was not looking to be seen. Very cool. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your your business because this is also how, you know, you saw my post, you liked it, I commented back on your comment, but of course, I looked at your profile and one of the things that really made an impact on me when I saw your profile was your mission statement, which is really to help people see their opportunities, their challenges, basically to see the world differently through art, through the opportunity of art. And the reason this resonated so well with me is because one of the key ideas that I talk about when it comes to reinvention and in my book is the importance that perspective, having different perspective plays, as well as also connecting with different people who often share their perspectives with us. Also, they share their voices, their ideas, their way of thinking. And I have a bit of a love affair in my past with art, thanks to a really awesome experience back at Penn State University. And it did the same for me back then when I first began interacting with art history specifically. It helped me see the world differently. And so tell me a little bit more about that mission to help people see the world differently through art. Yeah, that piece of the bio really speaks to creative team building. And what I do with corporations or schools, when someone decides they want to pull their team together and build deeper connections, what does that mean? Does it mean we just need to laugh together more? We need to get better at problem solving? We want to strengthen our trust, which is going to lead to better collaboration. I really like to hear what is the desired outcome? How can I best serve this creatively? And how do we put a spin on it to where they start engaging with each other creatively and they start to hear each other? The more they share, the more they can understand the way people on their team or in their department, the way that they think. And building those deeper connections with the people that we are working with or innovating with, creating with, strengthening those teams, there's so much value in that. When I get invited to spend time with them and help them see things differently, which means see things the way their coworkers see them or just in a brand new light, that can change so much moving forward. And it, I think, again, just building those deeper connections with people then opens your mind to understanding them better and then finding new ways to come up with solutions and 
all the good things that come with collaborating and really getting outside of the box, you know, having creative exchange with people and doing that together, doing it where they're working individually, but then we share, that becomes super mind-opening and and people develop a new appreciation also for their teammates in that. So if I work with you individually and we we expand on our ways of seeing and thinking, that's one thing. You do it with a team and then everything really grows exponentially. That's powerful because as you know, I think we've all probably experienced on some level in some way when we work with the same team for a very long time, we can, you know, just get into patterns. We settle into patterns and we approach things the same way all the time. And and then the world, I think, essentially is shrinking. You know, our world of possibilities is shrinking because we just operate under the same kind of patterns. And so everything just follows that. And it sounds like what you do here and what drives you is the opportunity to come in and really just expand everybody's world of possibilities through our, and then once they do that together in a team setting, and they all start unleashing different ways of thinking, different ideas, different possibilities, well, forget about it. You've just like taken that team and rocked their world. Yeah. And, you know, it feels so good to do that. I think not just because it feels good for me in that moment to collaborate and bring some positive change, because prior to having children and starting the art factory, I did work in corporate settings. They always say you remember not so much what people say to you, but how they made you feel. And I remember the teams where we felt really cared for, where our well-being mattered, where you know we were really seen kind of holistically as a team and cared for accordingly. And then the jobs where you weren't, where it never mattered, and it was a much different scene. But when team leaders would make time for us to engage in something creatively or, you know, outdoors or culturally, anything, allowing us to connect in different ways changed our work dynamic. These little things really build trust. And when you have trust, you're never afraid to ask questions. You don't fear being belittled or all of the negative things that you may have experienced in a workplace. Those come from lack of trust, lack of respect, lack of being seen and heard and all those things. So when you foster an environment that values those things, the stronger your team, the better the results. Again, it's the leadership. It's the people who make the time and space for their team to feel connected. And it's not just on the day-to-day, this is the program we're working on. It's laughing together. It's getting to know more about that person. It's sharing. It's you know playing a game together and, and going, oh my gosh, I didn't know he was so competitive. Or, oh my gosh, look at that. Wow, what a creative spirit. Or, gosh, I had no idea he could sing like that. When you start to see and appreciate other levels of people's personality and what they bring, it always enriches the end result, I think, in work. Because you, the better you know them, the more you respect them, the more respect there is, the more trust, and it yields great results. You know, there's so much there to unpack, but a couple of things that stood out the opportunity to build trust and how these moments that, you know, help people show different sides of themselves, different dimensions of themselves in a group or team setting are trust builders. These are the ingredients for the building blocks of trust. And of course, you know, we know how important that is on teams. I mean, I'm thinking of my own 
team experiences where we would have an outing. Maybe we would just take a day to go somewhere else and just do something completely different, different part of not even the city, just take a train, go an hour away from the city where there's no tall buildings anymore and just hang out for a day. Gosh, I still remember those outings. And that was a long time ago. And, you know, that was a team that, you know, we had our good moments, but we also had a lot of struggle, you know, organizational things, whatever. But those moments were really incredibly helpful to bringing us together, to helping us think differently. And to your point, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about you. Whatever that little, you know, side of you that doesn't come out in the office was, now we get to see that. Or I didn't know you were into art. I remember that day we went to an art exhibition. I think it was a gallery that uh, had some really interesting installations, huge, huge installations. And we had a great time, like just, you know, interacting with it as a team. That was just so much fun. But to your point, it builds that trust. So opening us up, you know, what you do is really amazing in terms of using art as a way to help people open up, helping people create this possibility so they can build this trust. They can, as you said, laugh together, get to know each other, compete, sing, whatever the thing is. And in service of building better bonds, which then, of course, from there, you can get more outstanding results. But the other thing I think is that, This also works at the individual level. You know, this is such an important idea. I mean, when I go to an art exhibit, even if I go by myself, I mean, the value I get from stepping outside of my world for a moment and stepping into someone else's creative world and just taking that time to understand what their work is opens my mind up. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to take out my phone and start jotting down all these notes for my book, for the course I'm building. For the, And it's like, wow, where were these ideas? You know, they were in there, but I needed that experience, that different perspective, that different idea to like, just crack me open and set those possibilities out. Exactly. And what if you don't understand them? You don't understand the body of work at all then that leaves you curious. It leaves you in a state of wonder. And that's a great way to start any team building event is to find we're all going, what's happening here? And when you start to share curiosities, you may think you have it all figured out, but you might not. Yeah, it for me has, I mean, when it comes to reinvention, one of the biggest challenges that I came across and others that I speak to who are going through their own reinventions is that you need new ideas. You're trying to make a change in your life, a pivot, whatever you want to call it, into what is now unknown. We wouldn't be calling it reinvention if you were doing the same thing that you know really well. So clearly you're entering an arena you know nothing about or very little about. And when we are getting onto a brand new journey and walking a new path we've never walked before, we need ideas. We need perspectives. We need questions. We need all of these different things. And what you do is one of those things that helps people, I think, open their minds up, open their possibilities up. And all of a sudden, those limited ideas you were considering are just a few of many more that you just figured out. And you're like, wait a minute, what if I did this or that or that? And the list goes on and on. I mean, this is what we need in reinvention. (laughs) Anytime I went into a reinvention, whatever I thought I knew up front, Nowhere near what I ended up doing, because once I got onto that journey, you know, going back to that first quote that connected us, I started seeing new things. I got more clarity. I figured out steps emerged as I meet people, as I get new perspectives. And, you know, what I think is so amazing about what you've built is that you found a way to package that up, package that experience up. You know, I need to open up my mind. I need new possibilities. Let me go take an art class or let me let me t- go do an experience through the art factory. Yeah, Awesome. Well, thank you. And and to your point there, it's like 
just when you think you know the way something's going to go, and then it turns out it doesn't, that's when I always say, gosh, it's sometimes it's just so great to be wrong. I'm so glad I was wrong about that. <laughs> really to stay on the the upswing of things not going the way you thought they would. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes they can be so much better. Like you're saying, yes. they can be so much better. And just knowing that those possibilities exist and believing in them, even though you don't see them, you don't know where they are, they don't know what form they'll arrive. But it's that kind of magical thinking, if you will. If you stay in a mindset and you believe that there's so much good out there and there's so much potential for change, positive change, you just keep going that direction and you're going to find yourself surrounded by those people who think the same way. And Mm -hmm. that's when the helpful people arrive too. You know, it's it's a magnetic world like that. And that's why we're having this conversation today. Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to uh, go into a couple of examples. When we spoke before, you shared a few examples of working with different organizations and teams. And there were a couple of stories that came up. One that stood out for me that I thought was really incredible was when you worked with a group of bankers on a lesson to teach them how to draw a skull. And all of the possibilities that that seemed to open up, questions, I think you broke through some limiting beliefs. Tell us a little bit more about that experience, about that story. Yeah, that was a really special opportunity. It just sort of arrived. I got a call on a Thursday and and there was a team leader who worked with different bankers and different people within this financial institution. She called me and said, can you work with my group this Tuesday? And I said, okay, well, what's, you know, what's the goal here? And uh, literally less than a week's notice, but I could tell there was a, a really deep concern in her voice. This is two months into the pandemic, mind you, maybe, maybe eight weeks in. She had real concern for her team and they were no longer spending the kind of quality time together. They were feeling disconnected and they were making a deliberate decision to focus on wellness in the workplace, even though they weren't technically together. And so I was happy to put a little thought on that and go, okay, how can I best deliver? There's no time to deliver materials in the mail to all these people So what can we do? How can we feel connected? How can we have conversation about things other than the pandemic and how we're making everything work? And how can we look at something together with some intrigue and some mystery and just feel heard and share our fascinations together? So what I did was I decided to show them the painting from Georgia O'Keeffe. It's called Ram's Head, White Hollyhocks, and Hills. The reason I chose this is it's one of O'Keeffe's more famous works done at a time in her life where she was pretty much peaking. And the stories that I shared about her and her life are super inspirational. And so I thought that's a really nice uplifting way to start the morning, to start the week, And, you know, just to start this journey together. So we're looking at this piece and I just started asking questions about it. You know, what do you think this represents? How does this color palette make you feel? And at first people are just like shyly offering a couple of comments in the chat window. It was a bit of a slow start, right? Because some people aren't comfortable around art for different reasons. And we'll get into that in a minute, but... Then when I would see a comment, I would then say, okay, hey, Tim, tell me a little bit more about that. What do you mean by that? And then he would have to start to talk, right? But again, the art of start, it was the art 
of starting a conversation. Once Tim got a little more comfortable, then his coworkers started to exchange with him a little bit more. And we start talking about, well, why is there this skull? And why is the skull floating? And what does this mean? And does this represent death? And you know, all of these comments and this conversation that got started, it was a bit of an icebreaker. And even prior to that, actually, I, I will say to back up a little bit is I welcomed the group and I introduced myself and I told them a little bit about, you know, why I was there and what we were hoping to achieve. And and I asked them, I said, let's just start with some pure honesty. You know, how many of you were a little bit freaked out this morning when you discovered you were going to start your morning with an art lesson? And of course, one by one, like hands were going up and looks of bewilderment were kind of, you know, coming out of the faces. And, and I said, okay, totally appreciate your honesty. I understand. And let's just say, we're going to take this little journey together and, and I hope you feel a little bit better by the end. And so we did, and first we started with discussion, and then it became a matter of, okay, well, let's, let's look at the primary subject here, which to the artist actually isn't representing death at all. It was more about rebirth than it was about death. And so I got to weave in some of that modern art history, which I just love. And I always think it's super inspirational. So we just said, let's pull out our pencil and paper and let's just draw this skull. Let's really look at what we're seeing. And so I would ask questions. We would look at it before we would draw it. So you don't just jump right in and have some high pressure experience. It's really visually problem solving. And to make everyone, those who don't have a lot of confidence around art or drawing, to make them feel better, you just say, you know, the truth is, is learning to draw really means learning to look. That's where the magic happens. But it's so true. That's powerful. Because I imagine they came in, some were thinking straight up, I can't draw. What am I doing here? Right, right. And so, you know, we start problem solving. Okay, well, what's the overall shape of the skull? Okay, end to end, point to point, you know, and we're just having conversations. And now people are starting to be a little bit more engaged. Oh, you know, I would say, well, what does it remind you of? Or what are you curious about? And then they would say, oh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, and then they would suggest something visual. And then other people go, oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I see that. And then we get more specific. Okay, well, let's put in the eye sockets. How are they the same? How are they different? Is one higher than the other? Because our brain quickly tells us it's symmetrical, but the truth is it's not. It's similar. So looking for little differences and suddenly they're having engagement that has nothing to do with their workday, that has nothing to do with the pandemic. And they're really making gains and strides visually. They're solving problems together and they're helping each other to see things differently. And then we go along and then, you know, we're just kind of lightly sketching, blocking all the parts in place. Then the chat starts to blow up. It's the vulnerable piece, right? People say oh my gosh, I thought I was terrible at drawing, but I kind of like this. Or I got a D in seventh grade in my art class and I never took art again. And what's happening is the folks who are maybe working with more confidence, they're not saying much, but the people who were wrong about their abilities because of what someone told them or someone who laughed at them 
or a grade that they got that was hurtful to them because they really tried or they presented their creative expression and it was not received well. All these things that sort of leave us in a position where we decide that those people are going to shut the door on our creative experience moving forward. No one has that power over you. And if they try to assert that, even if you've lived under that power for however many years, you can reclaim it because it's what you say to yourself that matters. And building confidence in lessons like this, again, sort of getting out of your comfort zone with your peers or your workmates and becoming vulnerable and and sharing that, that really builds connection. And in the end, I mean, you know, everybody wanted to share and it felt like some of my youth classes, right? People were super proud. And they were like, this is so much fun. I want to do this again. Or can my seven-year-old come and just listen to this for a minute? You know, like, and it became really, um, it, it, it was extra special for me because with, when it's an audience who there's not a lot of buy-in in the beginning and you can bring them in to something that you genuinely love and have pure enthusiasm for, and you get to share that like your art history teacher did for you, right? I'm sure it was a lot of her enthusiasm and passion that that stuff can be contagious. When you help someone build their confidence, then it's just a win for you as well. And when everybody's kind of sharing these gains together and and all these experiences, it really does benefit the group. And at the end of it all, people were talking more freely, people were sharing, more people were commenting. And in that hour, it was amazing how it was like, you know, there was a little dread to start or insecurity. And in the end, we were all each other's best cheerleaders and felt quite good about our time spent. So it was really special to have those mindful moments with them and and periods of growth in a short time. You know, one of the things that I really love about your approach there was when people thought, I can't draw, you offered them something else. You said, well, then don't draw. Look, we're looking. You know, it starts with looking. So let's just look. Are these eye sockets the same? Are they different? How are they different? And you engage people in conversation. You gave them another way in to the field, into this opportunity. Because normally, if it was me sitting in that group, I'm sure just like everyone else, they all thought, I have to draw today. They probably didn't imagine they were going to look and observe and compare and contrast and discuss and debate. They had no clue all those things were going to happen. They were like, oh gosh, I have to draw and I don't draw. Right. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Get me out of here. Or I, I yeah, because I don't do this and this is going to be pretty bad. But all of a sudden you found other ways to let people in. And by doing that, you help them open up. You know, going back to what your mission is, is you help them open up and see things differently. And all of a sudden they can get excited. And of course, in this case, it was because the client who hired you felt that team morale was down, well-being issues, all of that. But no doubt, to your point, this also builds trust. People are debating and arguing points about eye sockets on a skull. And maybe they haven't had these kinds of debates and you know discussions in a while. Forget the subject. They could always fill in another topic later related to work. But perhaps, you know, you help them along the way also to debate and discuss. And, and I can't help but, of course, apply this to the individual that might be on a journey to reinvention and how an experience like this just causes you to maybe debate with yourself and have another discussion with yourself. Right. 
and watch what you say to yourself. Because if you say, I can't draw, you've already closed the door to your potential for what you could have done in that hour. So if I hear that, oh, I'm terrible at drawing, watch what you say to yourself. What you could say is, drawing is very challenging for me. Oh, I hear that. Well, let's talk about proportion. Let's talk about where's this in relation to that. And you just ask questions and there's no pencil in hand. And when you start building confidence and observation, everything changes. There's nothing ahead but feel-good moments and victories, you know, if you can really make that point clear. But if they continue to say, I can't, I can't, I can't, then they're right. They can't. But when you change the story and you flip that script, you can. It may not be a Rembrandt, and it doesn't need to be. You haven't practiced, but you're getting started. And the truth is, is that you can if you keep the door open. And again, reinvention, it's all about opening the door and going the direction that you deliberately choose. Absolutely. And just being able to see that differently. These experiences are so important to be able to do this, to be able to practice this skill set, get into these spaces, take these new classes and all of that. You know, this is one of the things that I have found has been so important. You know, like in this case, you know, this was a financial institution and here they are exploring the field of art, you know, as a way to open themselves up. But you know what? That's what it takes to open yourself up, to ask yourself the different questions and to your point, to be careful what you say to yourself and what you ask yourself and make sure you do it in an empowering way. I mean, we could have an entire other conversation around growth mindset, but I love it. That's what you're talking about here is growth mindset. Be careful how you approach the idea that you don't draw. There's a big difference between I don't draw and I can't draw. And that's the difference between whether you should even bother taking a class because if in your mind you can't, you know, but that's why we we take these classes and all of that. The other thing that really stands out here as well is just hearing this example when you talk about your mission and then the work that you're doing. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment, but, you know, I have to point it out here. I mean, this is, you're living an aligned life. What your values are, what your passion is, what your purpose is, is perfectly aligned with the type of work you get to do. And you talked about this briefly when you mentioned when you're there teaching about something that you love so much, something that you geek out over and enjoy, you can't help but bring all this energy and all this passion. And of course, find a way to really unlock that group and help them unleash something special. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to, Put that over here to the side for a moment, but I just can't help but notice that, hey, that's what you're telling us as well. Even though you didn't say that, you're living an aligned life, and I love that. But let's shift. Let's talk about the art factory, because that's how you're building your aligned life. And the art factory is amazing, because hearing your story about how it's evolved, it's not even the same art factory that started. Because, of course, you evolve, right? Your passions evolve, your interests evolves. But tell us a little bit about, you know, the journey that led you to start the Art Factory. Yeah, I would say it's definitely the greatest reinvention of my lifetime. It happened in 2009. I had just gone through a family reorg, right? (laughs) Which meant the life that I thought I was committed to was no longer going to be what I thought, assumed, hoped wished that it would be. At that time, I had experienced a huge loss, the loss of my mother, the loss of my concept of what my family life would be. I had two darling little children at that time, and I had to suddenly go back to work. Suddenly, my time with my children was going to be different. 
I had to make a very deliberate choice as to how I was going to do that and still be my best for them. First and foremost, it was how can I move forward and be available to them? I'm not giving up one moment of my time with these kids. That was my why. The fact that I had to miss any moments now because of a a family reorg and, and structuring of time and shared time and things like that, that was devastating. But I couldn't hang out there. To back up a little bit, it's 09, right? We're still in a recession. All my freelance work that I had been doing up to that point to keep myself going and kind of get my feet back on the ground, and that was drying up left and right. And the only thing that was continuing to provide a steady income was this after-school art program that I started at my children's school. You don't get rich doing that kind of thing, but you do it for the enrichment for others and for yourself. Because freelance and tech illustration, while you know I was doing that all day long, when they were in school and at night when they went to bed, that's what I was doing. But I went and started this after-school program, not only to have them have something really fun to do with their friends, because again, they were little. It was just an opportunity for me to kind of have more joy, because there's nothing more joyful than creating art with children, giving them just enough to get started and watching all that magic unfold, right? You achieve different things with children at different stages of readiness and development. And so I got to work with a few different age groups. And just that's the stuff as a teacher, you know, that just really fills your heart and um, inspires you. So I was doing that. And again, all the freelance is drying up. All the accounts, everybody's on the spending freeze. Nobody's paying to advertise anymore. All this branding, rebranding, all these things, everything was really dried up for many, many months. And I'm thinking, this this is feeling grim. (laughs) I need to do something. And there really weren't jobs to be had. I mean, 09, it was really rough. And so I looked at how the only thing that hadn't changed economically were the art lessons. And so I just said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to create a summer program. It's going to tide me over until things pick back up. And I just did some basic math, right? (laughs) I was not a business major, but I knew what parents love. I knew what parents needed and I knew what the kids loved. And I knew that I was in alignment with all of those things. I knew, A, how to deliver quality art education, but I also knew what my standards were if there was something I would pay for for my children. So my standards were high in what I would deliver. And I went... I took out a lease on a building, a month-to-month lease, and I thought, here we go. I'm just going to do this for the summer, see how it goes. It so quickly took on a life of its own because I'm delivering things that I love, things that I'm passionate about, you know, the dyeing arts, the things like carpentry and embroidery and, and lots of things that kids just weren't really exposed to anymore, as well as, you know, fine art and studio art on many levels. People just wanted more and more. They wanted to have celebrations at the studio. They wanted to bring groups in. They wanted to do all these different things. I realized that this little art factory that I had built for basically for young people at this time, it had a five to seven-year-old group, and then it had an eight to 12 group, and then it had a teenage group. And so I had prepared this very welcoming environment for people to thrive wherever they were in their development. And then it started becoming a place for adults, lots more adult classes. And the way it grew was based on my availability. When my children were at school, or if 
they were at the other house, then that's when I worked a lot. And I dug in and I started building this thing because any moment that I wasn't able to sort of pour my love and energy into my kids, I decided to pour it into this business. And then everyone got to benefit because it was all coming from the best place. And, you know, when you experience loss like that, it can feel really dark and very isolating and very lonely. And that, again, it goes back to that word of being deliberate. You have to really identify how powerful that is. And you literally have to transform that power from something that, as you and I talked about, if the power is so strong and it feels as though it's spiraling down and it's just this really energy-sucking sorrow, you have to decide when you redirect that and you spiral it back up and you fill it with all of the good, with just as much good and then some. That's when your world expands, your, your possibilities expand. So you have to be careful. You really have to be careful with the energy that you feel and how you transform that. Or as you say, reinvent, which is, I like the word reinvention because it feels the inventive part is more creative than simply the power behind transformation. And I've been thinking about that word so much and how much I love the empowerment behind reinvention. So the business just, it grew and grew. And then the kids grew. And anyway, so this is in 09. So we're in our 14th year now. I have a, a staff of wonderful artists who just are thrilled to share their skills and their passion with, with young people and teenagers and with some adults. And now that has freed me to work more with teams, more with corporations. And for me to transition out of sort of that piece when the pandemic came, And I had this thriving studio space where no one could come. And the writing was on the wall pretty early. Like, okay, people are going to be getting together for quite a while. That felt very limiting. That felt very threatening to the business. But right away, I thought to myself, these limits, these circumstances that are coming in, I didn't choose them. None of my fellow business owners chose these limits. But I have to transform this into a new possibility. And sure enough, the calls started to come to do virtual connections and lessons. Then people wanted to know, well, how did you do this? How did you make this studio space? This is my dream. I used to come to events there all the time and I thought, I want that too. And so hearing what people want and seeing the overarching benefit to a community to providing creative spaces, that's part of the newest reinvention and again, it's, it all just feels like the right alignment for me. Gosh, there's so much in that story that I absolutely love. You know, one of the things that stood out was this idea of, at the very beginning, how can I be at my best for my kids while also being at my best for me? Like being at my best in what I do. That's such a powerful question. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about is, you know, one of the key ingredients or the key strategies for preparing yourself for reinvention is to make sure that you have access to powerful questions because one question can make all the difference. When you look at a question like this, you could ask yourself others, right? You could have asked yourself, how do I earn enough money to provide for my children? a very important question to ask, you know? And so we could easily say like, hey, we've got to figure this one out. Like, I got to do something about this. I got to go get money. And there are answers to that question. You know, we can go find answers to that question. 
But you asked a different question, and I can't help but notice and have to like just lift this up because this is really important. And this idea of how to be at my best for them and how to be my best. And you found that. So let's stop there. Like thoughts, comments on that, like expand on that. Yes. I was determined. I was fully determined to do what I love. I had identified that what I was doing over here was successful. It was generating income. It was doing good, doing good for others, right? It was empowering children. It was giving them their creative outlet, preparing that special environment for them. It was a place for my children to be. It was a win in every single direction, other than knowing how to start a small business, which of course there were plenty of challenges there. I think that I had a lot of growing to do as a business owner, but following my passion and really pursuing my dream of doing what I loved and demonstrating that for my kids, I realized the value in that. So the other thing that really stands out from what you shared was this key idea. You, you also set a really important parameter uh, for building this business. And you said it's based on your availability, meaning like based on the time that you spend with your kids so that you don't compromise that. And then the time that, you know, you're not with them, you're going to go all in on this. And I think this is really important because one of the things that I know I've thought many times is that I'll do this when I have time, you know, and there's a massive difference that I've learned just on my journey, big difference between when I have time and when I make time, you know, speaking of making things great versus like, you know, just hoping that it's great. I realized, you know, hearing you is that was there at the beginning for you. I mean, you set that that was the standard you set, like this is going to be based on my availability. And this is empowering, I think, and really powerful and important for others to hear who are thinking about getting on the journey, because we cannot wait until there is time because there really never will be the right amount or the perfect amount of time. We just have to decide we're going to make it. And I love what you did because your story for me is even more inspiring now that my wife and I are expecting our first child. And as I think about how I want to do that, like live that life, I want to live around that. Like I want to build around that, you know, just like you. Like I, I don't want to, you know, have to figure out, oh, when can I spend time with our baby? No, I will decide that. I'm going to make that time and then whatever's left, I'm going to go, you know, do whatever I have to do for the other stuff. And there we go. Like, but there's a priority. There's an order here. Absolutely. Yeah, you really do. You have your dreams to pursue, but if the desire to be with your children is greater than the dreams you're pursuing, right, then you find a way to make it work. You just find a way. And after hours when the studio's closed and the kids have gone to bed, then you bet I was still working on any freelance projects that came down the line. Like, I mean, I was hustling and I was still working at the school one day a week. I mean, I just really kept every ball in the air. But for the most part, what they saw me doing was something that I loved. And I was fortunate. I think I mentioned that to you last time we spoke that my mother was in one career her entire life during my lifetime. And she loved her job. And I really look back on the example that she set. That's not to say there weren't hard days, but she loved her job. And I realized that many years later, that really had an impact on me. And I think that's why I chose 
to reinvent my life when, again, this moment did feel a bit thrust upon me and you're kind of operating in a a brand new mindset that is not a comfortable place, but you go, oh, I believe that things are going to get better for me. And I can't count on anyone to do that for me. I really have to steer this ship and I have to believe, even if I don't know how it's all going to work out, if I believe that it will, indeed it will. And it has. That's one of those powerful ideas that I remember when we talked about that in our prep call, it's a feeling that you carried inside of you that it was going to work out. And I think that that is so important because it's that feeling that I think keeps us committed to a path. It keeps us committed to what we want. You know, sometimes people ask, but how do you know it's going to work out positively the way we think it is? And it's like, well, you know, I don't know to your point. Like, we don't always know how, but what we do know is that, you know what, it's going to. So I'll just keep going until it does. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you just keep on because you know it will, then it almost just ends up getting there at some point. And I try not to worry about the timing, you know, as long as I know I'm working towards it and moving. And again, emphasis on the journey, you know, like I'm enjoying the journey anyway. And it sounds like, you know, along the way you're doing this in those moments of hustle. Yeah, you used the word hustle, but you also said, like, I loved what I was hustling in. And you had a powerful why that was driving all of this. Absolutely. And Roger, to your point about timing, yeah, you can't dial it all in and expect it all to go exactly the way you want. Having a roadmap is great. Having goals really keeps you going in the right direction, all of that. But for any listener who thinks, oh gosh, this all sounds so easy and rosy, it wasn't, but it was nowhere near as hard If you really think when people say, isn't it hard to start your own business? How do you do this? And and there's so, so much sort of negativity around it. If you can look back at something in your life that was truly hard, which is the situation I found myself in as to why I was reinventing my new life, my reorganized life with my children and my future that was full of possibility, you can look back and say, well, yeah, of course it was hard, but If you really look at a hard time in your life and you have something to compare it, you know, your current situation, nothing I did during my reinvention was as hard as why I found myself in that position in the first place. And so if I was going along, oh, this bookkeeping is so hard. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, this is so hard. I can't. If I really focused on, told myself how hard everything was, then my reinvention journey wouldn't be such a victory right? So again, I had to be in control of my mind and and how I framed things. And yeah, this bookkeeping is getting hard. I think it's time to turn this over to an expert. Oh, well, that's going to cost a lot. You know what? I'll have more time to put into my business development and grow the business if I take this off my plate. You know, you don't need to be an expert in all of it. You look for the helpful people and they really do change your trajectory. And it's really important to know when to delegate. And that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, just what it is you believe and not being too hard on yourself. If the timeline isn't perfect, to know that you're still going the right direction and you have the right people along the journey to help you. And, you know, I think one of the really important things about this path when you are doing it your way based on your terms and what matters to you and what your whys are and your purpose and all of that is that there's nothing really to compare to anymore. 
I think that's another thing that I'm getting through your messaging here is that there's also nothing to compare it to. So, you know, whatever bumps in the road, there might be challenges with accounting or whatever that thing might be. This is your path. (laughs) Going back to what we said at the beginning, you're going to make it great. And you're going to make the decisions along the way that make it great. Always focusing on what it is that draws the most passion out of you and the most excitement out of you, which is keeping your focus not on the accounting, hiring somebody who could do that so that you can then do the thing that you love the most and have a blast doing it and and enjoying get all the fulfillment that comes out of that. That right there, I think, is super powerful because when we let go of those things, yeah, we're doing our part to make it great. One thing that you started hinting on, and this is kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about before we go into the next topic, the mindsets. There were so many things you said around mindset, and I just want to lift these up for anybody listening just to make sure that this is something that, boom, you know, maybe you can just write down real quick if you're listening to this, but things can be figured out. You may not know how, but that was something you said. And I know in our conversations, you know, you love saying it's all figure outable. And and I love that because I say the same thing. Ah, it's figure outable. I don't know what the answer is. I haven't figured it out yet, but I do know it's figure outable. And that's enough for me. We'll go and do that. The other thing that came out, and it didn't come out here, but it did in a way, just not as directly, anything is possible. When we had our prep call, you said that many times. And so I couldn't help but write that down because it stood out a lot. And you more or less shared that just without those three words. But anything really is possible. And a big part of that is trusting that it's going to work out. That in the end, you will figure out how to do it. And the helpful people will appear if you even give that a chance. If you believe that you can figure it out, you start to identify who those helpful people are. Anything to close us out on mindset before I get to my last question? Yeah, you know, mindset. Just remember, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned along the way is to really trust your intuition. Follow your passion and your intuition. Because anything else is just you conforming to what other people say you should be doing. Because Sure, I could have run out and desperately taken some job and put my kids with a babysitter and spent most of my earnings on the caregiver. I mean, to me, I was going, this is a non-starter. That is not an option. I will do what I love. I will find a way. And I did. And anybody who tried to get in my way, good luck to them because that train had left the station. My focus was set. My intention was set. And my why was to be with my children. And then the second part, of course, was to be happy along the way, to really do what I loved and to not listen to the people who said, you don't have the luxury of starting your own business or you should be doing that or you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Those people didn't have my best interest in mind. And those people have no business directing the steps I take to building my future and the future of my children. And when you get really clear on what you know you deserve in this lifetime, which is abundance and which is goodness, when you're clear on that, no one can stop you. You don't have to have all the answers, but you never lose sight of the life that you believe is waiting for you. And any circumstantial stuff, any of the icky stuff and the the negative and the hard and the sorrowful and all that stuff that has happened, that's back there. And you're not going that way. It shapes us. We go through hard times. We all do. But we don't let them hold us down and grab us by the ankles when we know we want to go forward and we want to go up. Our mindset, it's everything. So watch who you share your dreams with. 
Don't share your dreams with too many people because chances are there's some dream crusher in there, whether they mean to or not, you know, whether they're, they're fear-based people who don't know how to encourage you or whatever. Your dreams are precious and your goals are precious. And so you hold them close and you share them with the right people. You share them when you really need support. Otherwise, you know, you're going to start getting way too much input that you didn't want. Now, you do seek input and guidance from the people you know are successful, the people that have a certain kind of mindset, who have the growth mindset, who know how to empower themselves and to empower others, and who have proven track records and success. You find the right people when you need them, and they're part of your journey, and they are people to be super thankful for along the way. This reminds me of the only philosophy course I took in life back at Penn State University. And the instructor, there was something, I, for, I don't even know what the topic was. I never forgot this. He goes, when you go to people for advice or help or whatever it might be, you usually know what you're going to get when you ask certain people. If you ask your father for advice, you kind of know what you're going to get from your dad because your dad represents a, a perspective and a position. If you go to a priest, you know what you're going to get. If you go to your mother, you know what you're going to get. If you go to your brother, so on and so forth. And, you know, it goes on and on. And so, you know, I think what you said is really interesting and important because you know if you go to someone who's already been on that path and experienced, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get ideas and strategies that have helped somebody achieve the same thing that you want to achieve. And so these are folks that can help you out. And in the same way, be careful. You know, sometimes we know that there are some people who are going to be a little bit more negative. They see the world a little bit differently. And if you're going to go to them, you know, simply know what you're going to get. There's some people that I know if I go to, I will hear a little bit more of the reasons why not to or the things to be careful for. And I've actually learned that's actually not so bad, but I've got to go there with intention. I can't go in there with all this, like, whatever they say, if they say do it, I'm going to do it. If they say don't, because I probably know they're going to say don't, but I do get something valuable out of it. One of the things that I get is that they... It's like a warrant. It's like, ooh, something to look out for. Those are three risks I never would have spotted because the optimist in me, the optimist in me, but you really, to your point, you got to be careful who you're going to and when and just know what you're going to get so that way the dream crusher can actually help you, not hurt you. Because they might provide you some of those warnings that you're like, ah, good thinking. I will have to figure those three things out. Thank you for the warnings. I wasn't thinking about that. So true, Roger. And I will say, you know, without getting too far into it, two dream crushers that were part of my initial reinvention, I look back on what those individuals said to me. And the way I hear it now, I hear the words, I heard them as degrading and really ill-intended, right, as they were. And now I hear them and I go, oh, those were invitations. Those were invitations. Hey, I can't. That is my invitation to show you that I can. It, you know, and to, to know that I'm not going to let you tell me no, because my inner knowing is stronger than your ill intent or whatever it may be. And again, you just transform these powerful moments, even when they feel pretty crummy. You can look at it and find a way to work Absolutely. to your advantage. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Those little invitations, I think we can all relate that we've had those and there were moments where we allowed them or better yet, we directed them to inspire us, to light that spark. 
And that's the key again. It, again, be careful because that could also completely put out the spark too, if not taken the right way. So you really have to like direct that energy to light you up, to fire you up, and then just run even harder. But of course, always remembering you've got to have your purpose, which you know you shared, which was to really be there for your children, to spend time with them. And that was life on your terms. That was success on your terms. And you knew what they were, and you were not going to compromise on them. So I can't help but go back to that because we got to remind our listeners, this is really important, like knowing what it is that moves you, what's important to you, deciding what those values are that you want to live by, And again, I can't say enough how inspiring your story is for me personally, because as I embark on this journey, my next reinvention, becoming a father, you are the kind of example I want because it's not everyone shares that same message. I hear a lot about different kinds of things to worry about. Oh, it's going to be, you know, really tough. I'm sure it's going to be tough. <laughs> I That part I imagined on my own <laughs> before this happened. So I definitely imagine that. But I don't hear too much of that. Like, you know, it's more like, oh, you're going to have to figure out when to do your work and that's going to be really hard and this and that and all that. But you asked a different question. You said, how do I design my life around, you know, my kids? And that changes everything. And that leads us on a design exercise that allows us to build a life that's aligned with our values, our passion, and our purpose. I think we're going to wrap here because this is such a powerful idea you shared with us about mindset. I can't wait to share this recording and that snippet with you because when you're delivering talks in front of huge audiences, I want you to say that last part. You, I was like, I went on mute and I was like, mm. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so good. She's going to love this snippet. This is for her. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. You know, we really inspire each other and your stories are all like, I feel so connected to all of them, even though... You know, they're so different from my own. And I think we're just so lucky to find each other along the way and to share this stuff. And I just, I can't say I've done any of this without help of really powerful, inspirational people along the way. And I wish I could name them all. And, you know, but it is never lost on me when you get those words of encouragement and empowerment and people who see you and who do believe in you. And that's why we're teachers too to remind yes. people to believe in themselves. And that's a work that never goes away. And it's truly never work. To do what I'm doing, it's it's a privilege and I'm super thankful for it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I just have to say thank you so much for sharing your stories, those insights. So many lessons came out here, at, you know, from this conversation. For people who are thinking about getting onto the journey, thanks to this conversation and the stories you shared, The other thing that I think people can get throughout the entire conversation that we had is it's the possibility. This is possible. This is possible. Tough moments occur in life. Bad things happen. There are bumps in the road, major obstacles, walls that present themselves. That's okay. That is to be expected in any life. And that's okay. That actually makes it a little bit better. But at the end of the day, you can decide to live a life on your terms based on what you define as success to be. And you just shared with us an incredibly inspiring story of how one can build that. Even while things like great recessions and pandemics get in the way, that's okay. To your point, it gives birth, it gives way to a new reinvention from which new possibilities emerge. And well, I cannot wait to have this conversation with you again, you know, a few months from now or, you know, maybe early next year to hear how things are going with your business. You shared with us that it's undergoing yet another reinvention. Wishing you the best there. 
How can people learn more about the Art Factory? If anybody wants to really go in and see, hey, what's that doing? Well, artfactorystudios.com is the Art Factory website. Art Factory Retreats is my sort of second arm of the business where I'm spending a lot more time these days. And that has an Instagram page called Art Factory Retreats. But I also have my personal website, yvettecontois.com. And that's where you can find everything about you know, whether it's a one-hour retreat with a pencil and paper or it's a destination retreat or anything in between. And also uh, the community art studio startups, people who need help with that. All of my services and, and artwork and other things are posted on my personal site. I love connecting with new people and new projects and wide open to that. So thank you for awesome. asking. Well, and and really, things, thank uh, you for having me. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the lessons and insights. And just so you know, uh, for those of you listening, all of the links will be found in the description. So you'll be able to follow up with Yvette, connect with her on Instagram, make sure to follow her there. And hey, if you're looking for your own art experience to open up your mind and help you see other reinvention possibilities, connect with Yvette. Yvette, I'm going to put something out into the world right now, an intention for later on in life, not too later, but uh, I, I look forward to being able to work with you on something, to be able to connect my community with you so that they can begin to see new possibilities for reinvention by working with someone uh, like you. You know, like I said, for me, art played a massive role in my journey to reinvention and planted the first seed of reinvention in my life. And I owe so much to the world of art and getting to connect with you. I cannot wait to be able to bring you to my community and to be able to unleash you to them so that you can help them unleash possibilities. So uh, stay tuned, everyone, for that. We're going to be figuring this out because it's not the last time I'll be speaking with you. Well, that's another episode of the School of Reinvention. We just got an awesome uh, education from Yvette Contois. Thank you again. And stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.